Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 1998. I was a senior account executive at Fleischman Hillard. I was working the SBC account, which until very recently at that time had been the Southwestern Bell account. I remember asking my senior partner if she thought it'd be okay the agency sent me to the National Association of Black Journalists Convention in Washington, D.C. It would be my first time. And D.C. is NABJ headquarters. This was so exciting for me because I first joined NABJ as an 18-year-old student at Texas Christian University. If you're familiar with the TCU Lead On campaign, and the mini documentary they did on me, I talked about how the head of the Department of Journalism, Dr. Anantha Babbley, used to put about a handful of us in the back seat of his car and take us to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram once a month for the chapter meeting there in Fort Worth for the National Association of Black Journalists. At the time, it was called DFWABC, Dallas-Fort Worth Association of Black Communicators. They wanted to be inclusive of PR types. Long story short, my senior partner blessed the trip, funded the trip. (sighs) Was this convention the best? It was like a family reunion. Everybody I knew from media in Dallas, because as you recall, I started out in television news and did a little bit of newspaper I did some radio in college, (laughs) the secret's out. And anybody who was anybody was at this convention. This would be the first time I'd meet Alilia Bundles. Remember the great-great-granddaughter of Madam C.J. Walker? At the time, she was ABC News' Carol Simpson's producer. I met so many people in D.C. I met Ed Stewart. At the time, he was at Southwest Airlines. He's the one who would eventually introduce me to Valerie Burton. Well, somewhere along the halls in the Grand Hyatt in D.C., I saw this tall gentleman, and he had glasses. And I never will forget that Cheryl Smith, at the time, who was with KKDA AM and FM, wow, it was on both, And with the Dallas Weekly, introduced me to this fellow. His name, Patrick Riley. Patrick always had a smile and a warm hug for me whenever I met him and even for the first time. Seriously, when you've known people as long as I've known Patrick, you literally forget when and where you met them. I had to Google when NABJ was in D.C. to remember that this would be the first time that I met Patrick. At the time, 
Patrick was producing for the Oprah Winfrey show. And he was just such a sweet spirit and such a smart, smart journalist. I want you to meet Patrick. Since then, he's added a long list of celebrities to his roster of shows that he's produced for. And also, he's a publicity guru. Without further ado, and for our Pride episode, I introduce to you Patrick Riley, TV host, TV producer, publicity guru, and my friend and family from NABJ, Patrick Riley. The last time we really crossed paths was because of Miko Branch, right? That's right. Yeah, That's and right. you were very helpful in getting her on the Culture Soup Podcast, which was an amazing episode, guys. If you haven't listened, you need to go back. It's one of the earlier episodes, but that conversation with Miko Branch was phenomenal. So, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the Culture Soup Podcast. I am thrilled to have you here, and I'm trying to think about when did we meet? Man, okay, NABJ. I think it's fair to say it was at a National Association of Black Journalists convention, but which one? Because I've gone to every one since 91. Yes. So, okay. How far? So, my first one, gosh, it was in the early 90s, I would say that. But you know what? I joined when I was 18, I joined the local chapter. So, this is like way, y'all, this is over 20 years ago. This is my friend for more than 20 years. We, and I, I consider us, NABJ family, yes, right? Absolutely. That. And the times that we spend together annually will be in Miami this year, for example, in August. It's like a annual therapy, I say. Totally. <laughs> you know, it really annual therapy, and it's like a family reunion. Very much. Yeah. Very much. Awesome. Hey, what do you think we have a culture soup moment? I'd love that. I'd awesome, love that. Awesome, this awesome. Is- you like- get a culture soup moment attached to me and my moment like this is great i love you it you do patrick and i'm just so thrilled to be here with you okay so i've been going through the threads and you know what it is we're in july now but people are still buzzing about pride absolutely we had a full month this year hello the hello. whole month of june <laughs> Who uh, the LGBTQIA elemental P, I love to joke, <laughs> turned it out here yes. in the lexicon culture. Um, I would argue on some level it was very much a commercialization of it all, mm-hmm. but I just loved the idea that pride was on the tongues of so many that we aren't used to hearing it come off of, you know? Right. So I saw, it was, I saw a lot of allies, especially on Twitter tweeting proudly for their friends and family and it was it was wonderful there were rainbows everywhere i even saw where twitter had some hashtags with the built-in rainbow whatever the logo might have been yes yes and you know what um some might deem as the um perhaps most homophobic genre in music hip-hop hip-hop has now lil nas x yeah having come out also in so in the social media sphere and it had very much a loving slash who cares to it yeah. which is a kind of progress yes that you know people, what that's more than baby steps yeah it's more than baby steps and we do have a ways to go i don't think we can 
ignore what's going on in the administration as it looks to things that are kind of um, reverting uh, legislative-wise and, and, and legally speaking against um, LGBTQIA rights, all those mm -hmm. things we have to keep our eyes on. But um, we've come a long way, baby. Yes. We have. And, you know, speaking of a long way, one of the reasons why it was such a huge celebration this year is because it's the 50th anniversary of Stonewall, right? The Stonewall Riots in yeah. uh, 1958, mm -hmm. it was, before I was born. Right. Me but too, it, just to be clear. <laughs> for clarity, for clarity. <laughs> yeah. It was that moment in New York history and in, in, in the history of the world where the our LGBTQIA brothers and sisters, black and white alike, in the village, the mm -hmm. Greenwich Village, the iconic Greenwich Village of New York, um, uh, a place where they gathered um, to be family when mm -hmm. no one else was sort of recognizing them. Um, in fact, when they at that time were acknowledged as people with mental illness. Mm. And so it would be um, a, a cop raid at Stonewall, the club in the village yeah. where our um, marginalized brothers and sisters were really uh, disrespected beyond compare, uh, a disrespect that the New York City Police Department and the New York City have apologized for here inside the 50th uh, commemoration. But it really set the tone for um, time's up, you know, uh, we're not going to take it anymore. And a big riot erupted that would really be, would really underscore the beginning of LGBTQIA rights and um, the movement that took place to have us all be here today, um, able to be married and all the other things and blessings that we have that we did not have. And we stand on the shoulders and shoulder pads, I love to say, yeah. LGBTQIA brothers and sisters from that time, yeah. from that time. Wow. Wow. Well, and I hope that we move forward from here. What do I you think? think? I think there's no choice but for us to continue to move forward. But as we move forward, we have to be clear. There's always resistance. And it's inside that resistance that we must do more yes. and that we must be more. Um, I've never per se considered myself on the front lines per mm -hmm. se, but in living and in living my truth and in living out loud, I have kind of been on the front lines. You mentioned our affiliation with NABJ. I'm a founding member of the LGBTQIA task force for yes. NABJ, where, you know, NABJ would be no different than other homophobic institutions, church, um, um, you know, black colleges even mm -hmm. at a time didn't really address the relevance of who it is and what it is to be your authentic truth as an LGBTQIA person. It was the same concern for us journalists. Right. And for those of us willing to be out at that time. We're talking just 2004, 2005, when these kinds of conversations in our lifetime came to be relevant in the journalism world. Right. We were concerned about the same things that our brothers and sisters were concerned about, freelance, mm -hmm. insurance, mm -hmm. uh, 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 the ability to um, have a partner and have them benefit from the benefits mm -hmm. that are um, a byproduct of the work that we've been doing of the world and so and and the ability to be the storyteller of the lgbtqia narrative right. you know it is not um uh, a narrative separate and apart it is inclusive of we have right. coined a intersectionality because yes. you know it 
marketer, as a genius marketer, how important it is for us to see the world reflected um, inside all that we are, that diversity of that range. And so uh, we've come a long way and I am, um, so I sometimes um, allow when people say that I am on the front lines, I allow it because I know that it looks a whole bunch of different ways. And I'm happy that I um, lived my truth out loud enough and early enough where I could be a difference, not just for the LGBTQIA community, but for the um, young boys and girls of color yes. who kind of cross to bear in yes, society. Yes, letting your light shine. have a television show that's happening. You want to talk about that? Well, let's say, I want you all to follow it. It is a digital talk show called The Happy Hour Talk Show. And that is where you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all around. But we're kind of like a gay black view or a gay multicultural view. It's five professional gay guys, including Kendra Bowman, who's a wonderful executive producer of great uh, off-Broadway shows, including a, an amazing show that um, is critically acclaimed and co-executive produced by Shirley Ralph, The Mighty Sylvester, which is um, based on the disco diva yes. Sylvester. Yes. <laughs> you remember that? Yes. It's a wonderful show that runs around town. They also have another showcase with Phyllis Hyman. Well, this is the happy hour, their first foray into uh, talk. And it is really an opportunity in kind of red table talk sized episodes. Mm -hmm. We do 15 to 20 minute sized episodes that uh, explore just what we're talking about. Um, society, um, LGBTQIA concerns and where they fit into the mainstream. We in fact, right now have an episode out there. It's our um, supersized pride episode where we really get into a lot of what we're talking about, Stonewall mm -hmm. 50 and how important um, was and continues to be uh, for us all. And uh, we talk about uh, fun, um, our favorite queer movies, our favorite LGBTQIA themed movies. We have a big debate on Chick-fil-A because there are a lot of companies oh. out there that invest in things that are not pro-gay. Right. And we have to ask ourselves, do we continue to buy those delicious sandwiches and waffle fries yeah. when we know this? You'll be interested to see what I say, because I'm not obviously a fan of businesses that are anti-gay, but I do have a kind of, can we throw the baby out with the bathwater um, 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 philosophy well, that I will share. Well, and you know, it's interesting that you mention that, because Chick-fil-A has been kind of clear on where they stand, but there are other brands out there that show one face and then you find out their public policy is something totally different. You know, if you really look more closely at who they're investing in and mm -hmm. what they're buying, you would maybe, you know, second guess how you purchase right. um, what you buy. I'm not the kind that mutes or, or boycotts per se, but in the in these influential taste maker times mm -hmm. where playing field is leveled for um, uh, who and who's listening to us. Mm -hmm. You're not going to see posting um, <laughs> my lunch, you right. know? You know? <laughs> right. You know, so I, I'm, I'm clear enough that, you know, those kinds of companies no longer kind of make that, you know, they, they no longer deserve or earn that part of my attention. But I do speak to kind of, you know, sometimes where 
there are good business templates out there who are great business templates for society, but for the fact that they're homophobic. And couldn't we look at people in our own lives like that, you right. know? And so then what do we do? You know, and if there are family members or what have you, then what do we do? So it's a question I ask. Don't think I'm out there eating Chick-fil-A. <laughs> oh, I understand. I understand. And look, you know, it's this is a very influential segment of the population. And it took a while for a lot of the businesses to recognize that this group had a buying power. And so, and you're very vocal about which brands are allies and which are not. And you buy accordingly. Yes. And you align accordingly, which is why, you know, I have um, a wonderful, I've just wrapped a wonderful five-year uh, relationship with Miss Jessie's. We referenced Miko earlier, mm-hmm. uh, the CEO of the best darn, you know, curly hair products yes. uh, in the world. And, you know, I worked with her for uh, the five years. It was supposed to be three years, but we just kept extending because it was, it is such a love affair. Mm-hmm. But my work was to really help her bestseller do what it began to do, which is continue to book her and have folks attracted in what she has to say. It's a brand I believe in, not to be confused with some of the others that, um, you know, might get a dime from time to time, mm-hmm. but they won't get my uh, love. If yeah. You will. Well, you know what? We love Miko and we it's... love her dearly departed sister TT and everything that they did for women, black women in particular and allowing us to see ourselves in the aisle in retail. I mean, I don't think people really understand who are were not naturals, who were not black during that time. And yes, we were ready to pay a premium. Oh, yes. Yes. And for those who are clear about that product as a superior product for are women of color and women with uh, what kinky, wavy, curly hair, and that is, that is a diverse array of women we're talking. Um, they are willing to pay for the product, and, and fortunately, people like Target stepped up to the plate to give them the um, shelf space yes. that they deserved because we know what the value of that looked like at one time in the marketplace. Yes. And um, now we see Miss Jessie's and other brands the like in the spotlight. And so I'm, I'm a partner for companies and women and people in the culture like that. I love it. And you know what? Shout out to Target because they get it right too. Let's talk about your book. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, my book is that. Four. That's what friends are for on the women who inspired me. I guess it's there it is. Was that no. Well, there it is. Means, there it is. This is and why we so bring authors on. Part entertainment diary, part memoir. Um, I have always loved the divas. Um, Oprah, Diana. I I I I I joke with um, in the book actually about B. I did play. Little League football. Yes, I, I did. It. I did. I did. And why not? And the games began to interrupt with something that brought me more joy than the physical fitness of hanging out with my friends. And it was, uh, we were beginning to do Thursday night, eight o'clock games. And eight o'clock on Thursday night in 1982 was all about 
give me a break with Nell yes. Carter. That was my diva. <laughs> and so I went to mama and I said, I have to quit um, because we didn't have a VCR at the time. And Nell Carter <laughs> came on today. And so I quit football because they, yes, I mean, they should yes, have known yes. what was going on with me then. Right. Those childhood Jones that I had for the dazzling women mm -hmm. in the business uh, across the board from a Whitney um, mm -hmm. turned into a career. And 25 years of a career in which I have either produced the greatest um, in the talk world from Oprah to Wendy Williams to have interviewed the yes. women of my dreams, my dream girls from Shirley to Diana Ross. Um, I looked up after 25 years of uh, producing high uh, level content, uh, interviewing great A-list subjects and I looked up and I'd been 25 years into a career of having That's done awesome. just that and having done just what, what my dreams prescribed, even though as a little boy in Savannah, Georgia, who didn't have a name for my fabulosity, you know, at, uh, after college, Morehouse College, I would find out internally that I could call myself gay and I could live in this world, um, in all its grand splendor and have access to the women of my dreams who just weren't women I wanted to sleep with. They were yeah. just the women of my pop cultural right. dreams. And so I lived that life, lived that life. And uh, Dorby Books is a young publisher out of uh, DC who thought um, I should unpack all of that. So in this, it's a celebration of what these women mean to me, the inspiration of who they are to me, but it's to the world and to society. And we're talking about that level playing field mm -hmm. of social media. So uh, I guess a darkness that can kind of exist in the social media sphere where we're hating on people or not totally. acknowledging, you know, we're looking at Whitney and Whitney without understanding the joy. We stand here now and we're the number one hit from a Japanese import of I'm Your Baby Tonight in 1990 that I always knew about. Yes. Just the fan that I was of the Divas, I always plucked from their imports to find those extra songs that no one knew. So here, what, mm -hmm. th 30 years later, we are uh, uh, experiencing uh, Whitney Houston's version of Higher Love. And it is a no it's number one. Wow. Um, iTunes and the whole nine, you know, evidence. That voice still resonates in the world today, but we can talk about it removed from right. what was also a tragedy. So my book plucks from the goodness. And, and it's not just the A-listers like Whitney and Diana. I loved women like Cheryl Pepsi Riley and Evelyn Champagne King. Her birthday's oh, today, by awesome. the way. Happy birthday, Evelyn Champagne King. And I, so I speak to women who maybe no one's going to write a book about. Maybe women who aren't going to be honored uh, any day soon. And so this book is an example of that. And so I've been on the road with it for, um, I'd, I'd say, well, it came out last summer to all my pre-order buyers, but I've been on the road with it, with it available to everybody, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, where mm -hmm. are so since January of this year. And I'm just going where the folks want to hear me. And um, it's great that I've been at great black colleges from North Carolina Central University to Virginia Union University. I've had all of our great NABJ folks um, welcome me into their homes and their respect. <laughs> I was just in Dallas at T-Ball as one of its authors for um, their 2019 series. I had a lot of NABJ folks come out to that. I'm going wherever uh, the folks want to kind of celebrate yeah. the culture. And the culture is 
inclusive of black women. It's inclusive of women in entertainment, pop culture, and humanity. It's inclusive of LGBTQIA kids and, and um, again, grown folks who just may not have thought they could do a complete full life. Well, I have done a complete full life, and I've chronicled it in my book. That's what Friends are for, on the women well, who you know inspired what, Patrick, me. I'm inspired just by following you on Instagram and on social media and seeing what all you're doing. I mean, there are times when you've gotten this close to Diana Ross and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I love it. I was so excited uh, on my birthday. We went and did a big celebration of my birthday in November, which happened yes. to align with her residency at the Wind, the Encore. And I just decided to pop on. Well, I mean, I had front row seats anyway, but I decided to bring my book signed for Miss Ross because she really, other than my mother, uh, the late great Queen Elizabeth Bellinger Riley, who I write about in my book, I lost oh. her when I was 23 years old. So I really also got to unpack a bit of mm -hmm. um, that motherless child narrative of um, having had that great mom. And then lost her so quickly, so young. But she really was my first diva. So I just want to shout out Queen Riley. But Miss Ross, other than my mother, is easily yes. the number one diva in my life. So I was able to gift her the book uh, in November. And, you know, it could have looked, you know, she's had great books written about her. And then she's had not so great books. Now, this is a loving tribute to her. Uh, in addition to all of the other women, the galaxy of women. But I mean, it could have gone either way when I gave her that book. But you can go on my social media at Patrick.Riley, R-I-L-E-Y, all platforms. And you can awesome. see me hand <laughs> her the book, awesome. front row and center. And she said, for me, for me. So I, I'm, I'm thrilled that I have been able to not only Miss Ross, but gift other great women, Dionne Warwick, Lynn Whitfield, Tashina Arnold, um, all my greats, some of whom are truly mm -hmm. my friends. Many are friends in my head, but I have been able to get them with the book and uh, I'm excited. Uh, it, it's just an exciting time for me. And it's more than a, a book campaign. I am doing a spring summer tour, but this book will be a companion and it will go with me. And it kind of brands me to those who wonder how I've been a freelancer since 1997. Well, I now have uh, unpacked it a little bit yeah. in this book to know how I did it. Um, because, you know, yeah. you, you sort of just keep doing the work. And so this book has also been a reminder for me of yeah. just you know how much I'm I so have done. You know I'm so proud of you. Is this your first book? It's number one. Well, we'll look it's forward number to number two, yes, three, four, yes. and five. But let me ask you this. There are a lot of listeners that are trying to get their personal brands in order and figure out how to be that expert. And a lot of people will say you need to write a book. Any advice you have for new authors that are trying to get their feet wet in the whole whole realm of publishing? Well, I will say if it's uh, not the world from which you come, you must align mm -hmm. with experts who know what they're doing. Um, even though Dorothy was a new publisher and we crossed hurdles together in terms of just getting a book out, I was their book. Um, we aligned with great people. I had a great editor who comes from the world of uh, publishing, Clarence Haynes. And um, when I tried to get a book done 10 years ago, he would happen to be an associate editor at one of the publishers yeah. that was like this close to signing that particular book years ago. So to have Dorpy align me with someone who was already familiar with my voice and kind of knew who I was to the culture made the process of gathering intel and turning my life of 
blog entries and emails and social media pictures into a volume, it yeah. took an expert like him to get me focused. So I would recommend whether you do it via a publisher or not. Um, you know, kind of having done the right I did with the publisher, yeah. I might try to do it myself Never the next know. time. You know, don't we all think we can do it? And now more once, than ever. Do, and now more than ever. But the big messaging mm -hmm. is in aligning with experts and people who can help you get your either your your um, treatment to try to get the book deal and or your manuscript on the right page. I do know the worthiness mm -hmm. of having a literary agent, and that could be someone who believes in your project at the raw stage who can help mm -hmm. steer you in the direction of getting it publisher ready. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's a catch-22 sometimes. You have to have the work to get the agent or you sometimes you don't get the agent and you know whatever that can be but keep that idea in mind because that could be the right alignment that gets you to your goal but the bigger messaging for all the frustrations that I can promise you will present themselves when you try to do a book because there is the declaration to do the book yes. which is big its own when you say I'm gonna do Huge it step. that's a big yes. deal but then there's getting done. And the getting it done piece is about more than anything. And there'll be so many things that will, 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 yes. will, will kind of uh, hold you up. But the yes. goal is to stay the course. Because I can think of six moments where I might have just turned away, no harm, no foul, mm -hmm. puts that out anyway. And I'm frustrated at this point for this reason, that reason, or another. But I'm so happy it's year later that I can kind of look back at any of those frustrations and be happy that the book is here and ready and people are responding to it in an amazing way. So much so that I have yeah. new hurdles to climb with this book alone. Okay. I don't have an option. So I got to figure that out, you know, and I will figure that out. I have a lot of husbands who are coming to my book events, loving the presentation. Their wives are buying the books for themselves, their girlfriends, their mothers, and their daughters. The husbands are saying, yo, Pat, <laughs> yeah. when are you going to get that audio book? When you're ready. Because right. They want to hear it. They want to feel it. And they want me to do it. You know? So I'm like, if yeah, come on, Miss Marketer. That's, yeah. I heard something, right? I'm hearing something on the on. So I know that that will be. A hurdle I have You're to cross. I've never done it, it before, out. but and I'm going to figure what? that out. Let me know next. if I can connect you with some people who just did it. They may have some advice for you. And also, NABJ member, I, now that I'm thinking of it. Your viewers don't know this, but I mean, you've already hipped me to yes. um, the, the great <laughs> takeaways of Skype, et cetera, et cetera. But you yes. may, just so people understand kind of how this works, I'm more than just Absolutely. a guest of the show. That is who we are. You know, you've always been ilk of help. If I knew, if I needed, uh, had a question on strategies, best Aww. practices, who would I call? I'd call Elle Michelle Smith. And it really, I don't say that lightly. I just want to make sure this is illustrated to your listeners and viewers yes. that this is family here. Like we, <laughs> right we here. I get you. I see you. I yeah, see you. Patrick, this is why I love you. Hey, listen, Tell me about your upcoming projects. Anything you can talk about? Well, you know, as an independent, uh, people think I've been promoting this book and only promoting this book, but I do still 
have day jobs. I'm an independent producer, mm-hmm. personality, and writer, so I'm often booked to either host events or sometimes inside of book promo, I get another check for hosting the event or doing the this or doing the that. So the book has also been a great um, attraction of revenue stream for me as an independent producer, personality, and writer. Good. One project I'm really excited about as a field producer, because I feel produced on all levels, even after Oprah, I continue to feel produced segments for the Oprah Winfrey Network. Um, Wendy Williams has been a big client where when she's out of the studio, I'm producing her for um, remotes like uh, in Las Vegas, Disney World, the British Islands. You know, whenever she's out of the studio, it's usually me kind of running the show. And so I have Mm -hmm. the luxuries of uh, working with great brands, icons in that TV realm for many years, as you know. But I also do special projects that aren't always um, seen or known. Um, Chubb has been a really great client this year working on a Protect Your Passion campaign where they are... Mm of uh, people who just invest in the arts on any level. It could be antique, mm-hmm. it could be um, high line circus uh, artistry. Um, but uh, whether via insurance or through uh, artistic sponsorships, um, Chubb has been a big sponsor in that way to the artistic world. So they've asked me to come on, much like I would go on awesome. a piece for Oprah, I just do this for Chubb. And so they've been a great client. Yeah. And I have Another great client in NAACP Image Award winning sister friend, Sidra Smith, whose uh, um, digital series is getting ready to premiere at Essence Festival. It is um, a love tale. And I want you to just Mm. imagine hot, sexy, uh, sex in the city type drama, Uh the L word with the backdrop of Harlem. It's a really sexy show. Oh, Vanessa Williams. Remember Vanessa Williams from wow. the TV show Food, uh, Leon yes. from the Five Heartbeats, uh, Valerie Pettiford. Uh, I think many people know her from Half and Half. Um, Victor right. Williams, the black guy from King of Queens. They're all in it along with some wonderful new acts. And this uh, six part doc, uh, uh, six part drama is going to run on a digital platform that I can't announce yet, but I can say that it is going to premiere on the main stage at the Essence Festival over the holiday. Wow. Something that when we're ready to talk about it, you're going to want to see it. I produced the electronic press kit for it. So I did all of the behind the scenes, uh, running of the B-roll, interviewing all the cast members on the buried set, and all of, and turning all of those into, uh, producing all of those into vignettes, uh, episode recaps, all of that material that you usually see around a show is mine. Yeah. And so that stuff Good for you. Ready to see very soon and I'm happy to be able to shout that out here. So that's uh through IG you can follow a love tale. That's at a love tale. Awesome. Will you be in essence? I'm not going to be there. I wish. I wish, but Citra Smith and several of the cast members, Vanessa Williams, Leon will be there. Um I am hosting a lot of their non-essence stuff, but you know essence is its kind of own machine oh yeah but oh yeah <laughs> but you will be hearing more from a love tale as other screenings and premieres go throughout the summer so stay tuned especially here in new york awesome wonderful listen where can my listeners follow you on social media just follow me uh you can start at instagram patrick.r-i-l-e-y and that will connect you to everything facebook Twitter, it's all connected in, uh, you know, everything's connected. Um, so find me there and also follow 
at the Happy Hour Talk Show. And we are three episodes in. We've got about five in the can. Um, we churn them out, you know, once every three to four weeks. We're inside our supersized Pride Edition currently. So please check it out. Let us know that you like it. Keep tuning in. We're, we're, we're getting better as we go. But it's a really... Um, beautiful platform to be able to just do what we do, which is just try to bring information and entertainment to folks um, for kind of the new conversation, you know, and some, awesome. some of these conversations are difficult, but we yeah. we can do it together. We can all do it together. Of course. Respect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Patrick, I look forward to seeing you in Miami yeah. for our family reunion. Yes. And you know what? I appreciate you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This was a total treat. Oh, good. Awesome. I loved it. And I can't wait to share it with the world. Great. I look forward to hearing, watching, and you'll get yes. details because I will continue to lead my people to the Culture Podcast. Okay? Thank you. Thank you so much. What an awesome conversation with the Patrick Riley. Patrick, we'll see you in Miami at the National Association of Black Journalists Convention and Job Fair in August. That's August 7th through 11th. I'll actually be speaking at NABJ. Yes, we're going to be doing a session on transitions. And yes, we'll cover the, the obvious journalists who want to get into public relations and marketing. But you know what? I'm going to sprinkle in a little bit more. Those of you who are looking to leverage that brand that you have and how to transition into your influence, writing books, all of that good stuff, social media, all of that. And by the way, if you're in PR and marketing and trying to get into media or media ownership, let's talk about all of it, y'all. Transitions. You know what? I offer the package and coaching if you're interested and want to do some coaching. If you're a journalist, if you're a PR person, whoever you might be, sometimes you just need out, people, right? <laughs> Let's talk about it. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. See you next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communication.